Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. For the last several broadcasts, we have been looking at the discourse in John chapter 15, where Christ talks about the vine and the vine dresser. The vine and the husbandman, as it is translated in the King James Bible. And this is an extended analogy, which is very, very instructive. Christ, of course, gave this to his apostles in the upper room, preparing them for his crucifixion and eventual ascension back to heaven. It is all part of the Upper Room Discourse. Christ is telling them how important it is for them to cling to Christ in faith, to produce fruit fruit by the life of Christ that flows to them from him as they are joined to the vine, like branches are joined to a trunk of any, any plant, tree or other plant in which we have we have a, we have a main part of the plant that draws nourishment up from the soil and then we have branches that go out from the plant and fruit that is produced on those branches and Christ takes the analogy of a of a vine of a grapevine and how it produces fruit and he applies all of that to believers as to how it is that we produce fruit by our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And also the warnings for those who do not produce fruit to realize that they are thereby indicating no living connection with the vine. And so we have looked at this for quite a while now, and we have answered more recently a couple of questions, namely, what is spiritual fruit? A very major part of this discourse that we are to produce fruit in our lives, and what are spiritual prunings? The father, the vine dresser, is going to go around and prune. He's going to clip off things from those branches that are obstacles to fruit-bearing, remnants of the old nature, idols of the heart, excesses of earthly existence that need to be removed. But now we're going to concentrate today upon that question of what it means to abide in Christ. What is spiritual abiding? And what is the result of spiritual abiding? Abide in me, said Jesus in verse 4, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That is where we are going on this Sunday, January 22, in the year 2023. We're glad that you are with us today, and we're thankful for the financial gifts that keep us teaching on this station. All right, question number one, what is spiritual abiding? Back to verse four, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. What is this abiding relationship of which Christ speaks? Well, notice, first of all, the imperative of the abiding relationship. In verse four, it is constituted the command, abide in me. But going back to verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so there is the necessity of this abiding in Christ so that we are not removed and cast into the fire. That's the imperative of the abiding relationship. And some responsibility for this abiding relationship is placed upon the believer, according to verse 4, because it is a command, abide in me and I in you. There is a command. There is a responsibility. So even though we cannot join ourselves to the vine. That is a work of God, the Holy Spirit. He's the one who must graft us into Christ, who must join us to Christ in this vital union that we call regeneration or the new birth that is portrayed for us here in this extended analogy of the vine and the branches. So even though we cannot produce this relationship, we do have some responsibility to maintain it. Abide in me. As you have been joined to me, or maybe I should say, now that you have been joined to me, you take responsibility to abide in me. Because unconnected branches cannot bear fruit. That's what he says. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. There is a responsibility here. Because if we do not abide in the vine, we will not bear fruit. And as we've already seen, those who do not bear fruit are dead branches cut off and cast into the fire. A portrayal of professing Christians who are not regenerate and who are therefore cast out with the unregenerate of this world. It's a very serious matter. But for those who abide, there is fruitfulness. In fact, there is much fruitfulness as there is long-term abiding. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So what do we learn about all of this? What are we talking about? And we're talking about spiritual abiding. We are talking about 
utter dependence upon Christ, not upon ourselves. Without me, verse 5 concludes by saying, without me, you can do nothing. Now, there is a sense in which that is true all across the board. In other words, literally nothing. Because everything that we can do, we have to be given something by God in order to be able to do it. To work, I have to be given strength. I have to be given life. I have to be given oxygen. I have to be given nourishment. I have to be given opportunity. On and on and on it goes. I can't work my job. I can't earn a living for my family. I can't do anything. And and you could go on and name all different kinds of things that you may do, different activities, maybe involvement in playing sports or other kinds of recreation and whatever it is you enjoy doing when you when you are not required to work. Just remember, you can't do any of that. Maybe you enjoy studying, you enjoy reading, you enjoy learning. You can't do any of that without what God has supplied to you, what God has enabled you to do. There are people in this world who can't read because they don't know how. They've never been taught. They have, not, they have no education. They are, they are illiterate. Or there are people in this world who cannot read because their brain either was not functioning properly when they were born or it has become damaged somewhere along the way. I mean, on and on and on it goes. We can extend these illustrations almost to, to um, into infinity almost to, to make the point, but it's not necessary to do that. The point is that we are totally dependent upon God for anything and everything we do in this world, but particularly, and it's clear that in the context that we're looking at in John 15, what he's talking about is fruit bearing. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you cannot bear any spiritual fruit. Now, probably every Christian would agree with that. Probably every Christian would say, yes, I believe that's so. But it is also obvious that in a lot of cases, Christians act as if they can do things on their own. I can handle that. I can take care of that. I can produce this. I can accomplish this. I can exercise my abilities and get things done. And that's the opposite of abiding in Christ. We're talking about what does it mean to abide in Christ? We've been joined to Christ by the new birth, the work of the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, one element of what it means to abide in Christ is to have this this never-ending consciousness that without Christ, I cannot accomplish anything of any eternal value. I cannot bear any spiritual fruit. I think a lot of what Christians do for the Lord that they consider to be the production of spiritual fruit is actually not because so many times it is done in the arm of the flesh instead of independence upon Christ. And so dependence upon Christ. Without me, you can do nothing, not one little thing which is the opposite of the world's perspective and advice, which is, 
If you try, you can do it. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. You can do anything you, you, you really want to do. You can be anything you really want to be. No, 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 no. Without me, without me, without me, said Christ, you can do nothing. There is no natural ability that will enable us to produce spiritual fruit. There is no basic goodness in the lives of, of people that will allow them to do, to do good, to do real good in this world. Even the good of helping others, being a good neighbor, being a good citizen. Those things that appear to be good, if they are done apart from a desire to honor Christ in the doing, and apart from a recognition that we have no ability to accomplish anything of any eternal good apart from Jesus Christ, if, if we accomplish these things with the, with the attitude that we are doing good, pat me on the back, we are accomplishing good that we are able to do on our own, then it is nothing. It really turns out to be nothing. Because Christ said, without me you can do nothing. If we want to accomplish anything of lasting eternal value, we must do it with the consciousness that we are doing it dependent upon Christ. In other words, we aren't doing it. He's doing it through us. We are the instruments that he uses, but we are the mere instruments that he uses. He's doing it. It's his life flowing through us. I often quote in my own mind to remind me of this, that hymn entitled Channels Only. Are you aware of it? How I praise you, precious Savior, that your love laid hold on me. You have saved and cleansed and filled me that I might your channel be. Channels only. That's all we are. Channels only, blessed Master. But with all thy quickening power, all of thy life-giving power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. That's the idea. That's what it means to abide in Christ. That's the opposite of the world's perspective. That's the opposite of the world's advice. And unfortunately, it's the opposite of much Christian thinking. Because so much of what is done by Christians, done by churches, done in Christian efforts and organizations is to appeal to man's vanity and his self-love and to tell us that we can do something, we can even do much. In fact, it's sometimes so dishonoring that we are told that God depends upon us instead of, instead of the other way around. We depend upon him. How do we get this turned upside down and around the opposite way? He has no hands but your hands. He has no feet but your feet. He has no mouth but your mouth. Have you ever heard anything like that? Poor God, he can't really accomplish anything in this world unless you do it. Unless you do it for him. No, turn it around. We can't accomplish anything for eternity unless he does it. Unless he does it through us. He doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. He makes us channels. He makes us instruments of his choosing. But let us remember that he is the one who is doing it. We are simply instruments that he has chosen to use and 
Don't ever forget it. He doesn't need us. He is omnipotent. He can do anything he chooses to do without us. The amazing thing is that he chooses to do anything with us. Why would he? He doesn't need us. He doesn't need any instrumentality. He can do it without any instrumentality. He can just do it. He speaks the word and it happens. It, it, it takes place. It occurs. Let there be light. And there was light. He didn't say let there be light and created or appealed to light makers, electricians, light machines, various instruments and apparatus in order to produce this light that he had commanded. He just said let there be light and there was light. Something that we still don't fully understand as, as scientists examine light. I can remember the debate going on, is, is, is light a wave? Is, does it come in waves? Is it something else? I've forgotten now. I, I can remember back in my school days studying in, in uh, I guess, physics that would have been. Um, what is the nature of light? Is it particles? <laughs> is it, it it's, it's, it's difficult to even nail it down now, but God made it. Bang, just like that. He didn't need any instrumentality to make it. He didn't need any instrumentality to make the sun, moon, and the stars. He didn't need, did not need any instrumentality to make this earth. Do you think he needs instrumentality to accomplish anything in this world? He doesn't need it, but he has chosen to use instruments. If he's going to use instruments, why doesn't he choose to use holy angels who are perfect, who are sinless, who never fail, who never never stumble, who never disappoint, who never disobey, who always carry out his bidding perfectly, why doesn't he just use holy angels if he wants to use instruments instead of using fallen sons and daughters of Adam with all of our failure and weakness and imperfections and hesitations, and yet he's chosen to use us, and he works through us. He's not dependent upon us. It's not that he has no hands but my hands and has no feet but my feet. It's that he has chosen to use my hands and my feet, and he will use me and you and all that he chooses to use for his glory. But let us never forget that whatever we do, we can only do it in dependence upon him. That's what it means to abide in Christ, this this moment-by-moment consciousness that we are dependent upon him. Without me, you can do nothing. Not without you, says God, I can do nothing. I've, I've actually heard it put that way, haven't you? They don't say poor God, but that's the, that's the impression you get. Poor God, he can't accomplish anything. If we won't do it, his, his hands are tied. He can't do it unless we cooperate with him, unless we do it, unless we, we obey what he's told us to do, then he can't accomplish anything in this world. No, you've got it backwards. He can accomplish whatever he chooses to accomplish. He has amazingly chosen to accomplish at least a portion of what is involved in the work of redemption through human instrumentality, proclaiming the gospel and doing the work that he's commanded us to do. But let us never, never, never forget that whatever we do, 
We only do it because he's working in us. Without him, we can do nothing. That's what it means to abide in Christ. What else does it mean besides dependence upon Christ and not self? It means feeding upon Christ's word, not upon religion. Not merely talking about the word, but studying the word. I am sometimes surprised at how many Christians and many churches, and I don't want, I don't, I don't mean to always be sounding maybe like I'm putting down others, but folks, we need to examine ourselves and think about this. And I'm, I'm, I'm continually surprised at how many churches don't seem to exalt the word to the place of preeminence that it deserves and that God's word teaches us to exalt his word. His word is how he accomplishes his work. One of the most important tasks that the church has been given is to teach disciples of Christ everything that Christ commanded his original disciples. That's what he told us to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, uh, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. It's clear that one of, if not the most important responsibilities of the church is to teach followers of Jesus Christ the Word of God, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, we are teaching those who have been made disciples, and we've been given the, the command to make disciples. So there is a very strong emphasis here upon preaching the gospel and evangelizing. But we can't produce a disciple. We preach the gospel, and we look for those that God the Holy Spirit makes disciples by using his word. And then when we identify the disciples that Christ has made, we identify them publicly through water baptism, and we teach them the word of God and that's why our churches should be word-centered churches, because that's what it means to abide in Christ. It means to depend upon his word, not upon techniques, not upon programs, not upon the latest gimmick, the most successful one. It is by teaching teaching, 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 teaching the Word of God. And when we depend upon the Word of God as it is faithfully proclaimed to do the work that has been assigned to us, then we are demonstrating that we're abiding in Christ. We're demonstrating that we recognize that without Him we can do nothing. We're demonstrating that we realize our personalities, our programs, our organizations, and on and on and on it goes, are not what does eternal work. It's not that we don't give any thought to these whatsoever, but it is that we depend upon 
the Word of God to do the work. That's what it means to abide in Christ. And therefore, if we're going to do that, we've got to study the Word. We've got to assimilate the Word. We've got to partake of the Word. We've got to digest the Word. We've got to take it in. Those who teach it have to be students of the Word. And as they teach it, teach it, teach it, then those they teach become students of the Word. They hear it, and hopefully they're reading it, and assimilating it, and meditating upon it, and memorizing it, and studying it, and applying it to make changes in their lives, obeying it. And what is that but abiding in Christ? What is that but the recognition that without Christ we can do nothing? We can only accomplish the work of Christ as we carry it out in the way that he told us to carry it out. Using the tools, the means that he gave us to use. Namely, the word of God and prayer. And those things need to be emphasized. And when we are depending upon those to accomplish God's work, we are demonstrating that we do believe that without him we can do nothing because that's what we're, we're, we're dependent upon. And we demonstrate that by our recourse to prayer frequently. And we demonstrate that by carrying out the work through the proclamation of the word, that that's, that's what it takes to get God's eternal work done. And so by consciously depending upon Christ, not self, consciously feeding upon the Word and utilizing the Word for the work that God has given us to do, and consciously and regularly communing with Christ. Without me, you can do nothing, so we better stay in communion with Christ. And that does involve becoming regular and purposeful, in our prayers. Prayer enables us to personally communicate with Christ. Prayer is our talking to God. And of course, talking to God is talking to Christ. Prayer is our talking to God. The Word is His talking to us. And I think this needs to be said from time to time. Sometimes people talk, explain, characterize prayer as if it's a two-way communication. I speak to God, he speaks to me in prayer. There's a, there's a strong, strong emphasis upon that, a misemphasis upon that. We even sing about it. And he walks with me and he talks with me and tells me I am his own. Well, how does he do that? Well, according to that song, it's while you're out in a quiet place, out in the garden alone, while the dew is still on the roses and so forth. And you're talking to him, and he's talking to you. And many people think that's what happens, but that's not the way it happens. You talk to him in prayer. He talks to you through the Bible, through his word. Now, what does happen in prayer that sometimes makes it seem like he's talking to us in prayer? Prayer helps us, by the work of the Holy Spirit, bring his word into focus. Prayer helps us apply what we have heard from the Word, to particular needs and circumstances in our lives. Prayer 
takes the power of God's word and uses it to give us the desire and power to change our lives, to acknowledge our sin and to cast ourselves upon him and to bring about change. Prayer keeps us worshiping Christ and depending upon him. And so what prayer does many times is clarify the message of the word that we have heard, but now it helps us to clarify it and personalize it. So it seems like in some cases that that's God speaking to us, and in a sense it is, but it is God speaking to us through his word. If it's not the word that is being made more clear and more powerful and more particularly applicable to specific situations as we pray about them, then we're not hearing from God at all. We're just hearing our own thoughts, our own ideas, and think that's the word of God speaking to us in prayer, but it's not. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.